of the cross. Judges chapter 4 is a very interesting passage as it relates to the role of a man because ironically we see two weak men in the passage. Sisera wasn't the only weak man in the passage. Uh, this man by the name of Baroque, even though he went looking for Sisera, uh, he was also a weak man. In the passage, Deborah was a female judge and she's governing the affair of Israel. There's nothing wrong with the female leadership. How many of you know that that, that is, is proper as it relates to the text? However, she was a judge and we don't have time to divvy that out. But Israel had gone back into bondage because of their disobedience. They were sold into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan. And I want to stop parenthetically and just tell you that anytime you disobey God, watch out because here comes bondage. Anytime you go about doing your life your own way, anytime you go about putting your own life together, uh, the Bible says it this way, be not wise in your own eyes. Anytime we become wise in our own eyes, watch out because here comes the captivity. You've got to listen to what God has said. So Israel is going back in bondage because they again disobeyed God. If you read the book of Judges, you'll find at the top of many of the chapters, it opens up with Israel uh, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Many of the passages or chapters in Judges open up with this. They went back to their ways. And what God is saying to you today is he does not want you to have this vain philosophy, this vain theology of temporary salvation. That's when we're on fire for the Lord for a season. But then we allow our sins to captivate us once more and again. I want to tell you something this morning. When you straddle the fence, listen to me, sinner man, sinner girl. When you straddle the fence, you never know the day nor the hour when the answer may be, you fool, tonight your very soul is required of you. And make no mistake, when Jesus comes back, and you've heard me say this, I wonder if he's going to ask a question when he sees you with your pants down with a woman that's not your wife. I wonder if he's going to come back and say, I was just joking, come on up in the rapture anyway. When he comes back and sees you snorting cocaine, come back, see you using illicit drugs, come back, my brother, seeing you treating your wife like a harlot. I wonder if he's going to say to you, I was just playing, you qualify. Look at your neighbor and say, not so. Oh, my God. I know we live in a society now, y'all, where everybody wins. Even young people don't have a first, second, and third place anymore. Back in my day, and I'm not an old man, but we used to have a loser. I'll never forget we were in the state championship football game, and my God, it just looked like we were going to do it. It was fourth I mean, first and one, first and one. And for those of you who don't know what that means is we only had one yard, one, one yard, one yard. I'm still having problems with it today. One yard to score the touchdown. I was a captain of the team back in those days, but because of my fellow colleagues, I hope they listen to these messages, uh, Brother Anthony Freeman and Aries Shields. I hope you guys up in Connecticut, I hope you, you see, I still know all their names. I, I hope you listen, because they were playing fullback and tailback, but because they decided to smoke marijuana the night before, they didn't have enough strength to get over the one-yard line! And the newspaper article read... Middletown High School Dragons fall short. 
tell you something emphatic this morning, as the old saints would say, make no mistake, 99 and a half just won't do. And if you think you can live a half-saved lifestyle to where you do most things right, to where you honor God most of the time, to where you live right 99% of the time, I got news for you today on this Father's Day that God says, I want 100 or I want zero. Be hot or cold, because if you're lukewarm, I can't have anything to do with you. Somebody give Jesus great praise in this place. Look at your neighbor and tell them, make up your mind whose side you're going to be on. I mean, people in here, you want somebody that's committed to you half time. You want somebody who loves you some of the time, then they relapse. You want to marry a man who loves you, provides for you, and then he stops loving you and providing for you for six months out of a year, but then he's on fire again every year during Christmas. So Tom, Vanessa, God, Thomas, Vanessa, God is saying to us that as men, we can't be weak men. Look at the other example of a weak man in, in Judges 4, 6 through 9. Now, this was the man who was pursuing Sisera, and he had a weak man issue. Look at what, what Deborah says to, to this man. The Bible says in Judges 4, 6, Then she sent and called for Baruch, the son of Abinam from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men, the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulon. And against you I will deploy Sisera. That's your enemy. The commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude and river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hands. Look at what Barak says to the woman. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I'll go. But if you will not go, I will not go. Now, in the words of old Neil Rogers, that's a sorry man. She's telling him, get up and go fight those men. God has already given you the victory. And he turns around, tells the judge, tells the lady for what it's worth, if you go with me, I'm going. But honey, if you ain't going, I ain't going. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. I'm going to make it real in a second. If you don't go with me, girl, I ain't going. If you don't go with me, I don't have enough strength. You follow me. Look, 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 at, look at what the Bible goes on to say, and I'll go on with my little points here. So she said, I'll surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory. One of the things about a man is a man has to conquer in order to have glory. Men are not attracted to things that are just given to them. My God, a steak and a piece of meatloaf, a piece of chicken tastes a whole lot better when you put in 57 hours to pay for it. A man has to have the gratitude that I have worked as I should this week and now I'm eating with rights. What do you mean by eating with rights? If a man don't work, a man ought not eat. We got too many fat men who have not gotten up and gone to work. You're full every hour of the day, but you've not put a turkey on the table since Thanksgiving 2006. And then you want your wife to lay with you at night, but she's frustrated because she's got to do everything in her power. 
five. God is saying to us this morning, I'm tired of that perverted mentality. That's a weak mentality. My God, brothers, let me tell you something. If your wife works more hours than you, you are failing. You say what you want, I'm not going to take down. If your wife gets up and catches the cat's transit system while you drive the car to work, you are failing. If your wife wonders if you're going to make it home tonight or not, you are failing. You are less than a man. You don't meet the criteria. Turn your man keys in and go somewhere and be effeminate. Weak men are detestable. Barack says, Antoine, I'll go, but I'm not going unless you go with me, baby. So she said, I'll surely go with you, but you're not going to get any glory. For the Lord will sell Sarah into the hands of a woman. Then, De- then Deborah arose and went to Baroque at Kadesh. Now notice, God did not sell the hands of Sisera into the, uh, or sell the life of Sisera into the hands of Deborah. That was not the woman. It was Jael who took the temple and, and, or took the, uh, the, 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 the peg and drove it through his temple. Did you catch that? God is saying to you this morning, my God, when you are weak by nature, you cause the whole family to be compromised. Let me tell you something about men and put this in your notes and single sisters, please listen to this. First Samuel 17 and 29, we see this wicked Goliath challenging the men. He's talking about fee five four fum. Who's going to come out here and beat me? <laughs> He's outside talking junk. All of David's brawny brothers are up there and they're somewhere tucked in the corner. But look at what happens and you can turn there or you can just put it in your notes. David in 1 Samuel 17 and 29, I don't have time to do the whole story, but David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? David stands up and says, what in the world is going on here? Is there not a cause? What's your point, Pastor Gabe? Men are attracted to the fight. Men embrace the fight. My God, I know I got some men in this church like this right now. If you're out to eat and one of your brothers gets challenged, guess what you're going to do? It's already in your mind that we all getting ready to fight. <laughs> I mean, I'm not finna send him out there. I'm, I'm, we all fighting tonight. It's, all, it's innate in you. Men are attracted to the fight. What are you also saying? I'm not just talking about physical, but when the chips are down in your family, you know what a strong man does? He stands up and says, wait, baby, ain't no need in crying now. Look here, I'm getting up about 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. I'll be at Bojangles by 7. I'll be at McDonald's by 9. I'll circle by Kmart by 10. And when I come home tomorrow, I will have a job because the kingdom suffereth violence and the violence... Don't you walk around talking about this, the, 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 oh, the economy, the economy, the, the economy, the economy. And then you go working out at the gym every week. Come on, come on, come on. You got enough for, money for that membership? Yeah, yeah. 
and time. Yeah. Seemed like to me, you would go on a 21-day Daniel fast and pray you a job in. You do know that over in the book of... Uh, uh, okay, I got to show it to you because y'all, y'all don't believe me this morning. But you do know that one of the things God created, brothers... Go to Genesis 2 and 15. When God had created heaven and the earth, a lot of people skip over this. Stephanie and I have dialogued about this frequently. But when God created heaven and the earth, one of the first things he created was a job. Did you know that? I mean, we should laugh at it because it kind of sounds funny. But baby, when God created the heavens and the earth, and I'm going to teach you this morning, one of the first things he created, and namely for the man, was a job. It was not for the woman. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. The Bible says, one verse, Genesis 2 and 15. Then the Lord God took the man, took the who? Took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? Tend and what? Keep it. Depending on your translation, it says to work. Did the Bible say he took Adam and Eve and put them there to work? He took that man. He created all the heavens and the earth. He created the trees. Oh, God. I can imagine God in his creative splendor. I'm going to ask him about this when I get to heaven. But he created the beautiful eagle that soared. Oh, God, he created that lion with the beautiful mane. Oh, how I love. Sometimes my wife and I have gone to the animal kingdom, and I just love to sit and look at that lion on the safari, just how he sits back and gazes. He created the ostrich, (laughs) as awkward as it looks. He created the sparrows. He created the panda, the camels. I have an infatuation with turtles. I love turtles. I picked one up the other day. My wife said, please put that down. I said, no, you need to look at it. God made this. This turtle knows when to retreat. This turtle knows when to come out of his shell. God created all of that. But in all that splendor, and we're going through scripture, don't worry. He also paused in the second chapter. Whatever you do first, you put priority on. You do know that. And Travis, he created a job. (laughs) This was before the fall, which is very interesting. God said, I'm going to bless you with all these riches and stuff, but you still going to work. You're going to keep the dog on the garden that I have given you. Get up and go to work. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? One of the things I loathe is sitting down counseling with a couple and hearing a wife say, I just don't know what I should do. I've already picked up a part-time. So I'm doing that. My dad sends me a few dollars every now and again to help me get over. And I'm not so sure what I should do. And he's sitting over there like, Dr. Gabe, I done told her I'm doing all I can to get a job. I'm doing all I can to get work. And I never let that be an okay answer because this is what I ask him next. Are you a part of any internet tournaments? I mean, like, do you play 2013 Madden Live 
on people who live in Egypt with people who live in, in China? Do, do, you, do you do any of that? Do you have any time in the day to do any, any of that? Do you have, Shantae, here it is, girl. Do you have, Marvin, do you have, Tony, do you have any leisure? Well, you know, I need my downtime. No, you don't. No. You don't need downtime right now. All your time is occupied until somebody says, here's your drug test, take it, and come to work on Monday at 7 o'clock. I'm making some men mad this morning, but that's all right. Let the word bless you right where you are. Somebody look at a man emphatically and tell him, work. By the way, while we're on that point, men are not attracted to weak messages. Don't, don't know, ain't no man in here offended by this message because men don't like weak messages that's why those churches where they preach that lollipop lollygagging you're so glad I made it I made it through oh God here we go again you just got bruised one more time oh God put a band-aid on that one because so glad you made it you just made it through you know and the song is a blessing I'm not talking about brother Marvin Sapp I got respect for him but listen to me I'm talking about just the concept the concept of constantly going through don't know man constantly going through. Even when a man has come to the church for help, one of the things we don't do is we don't embrace poor mouthing, not from a man. No, not no man. What you got to do is you got to come and say, we're going through this right now. You see Sister Lori, and then you got to say, but here's my plan as the man. And here's what I plan to do. But if you'll help me through this season, I'm pretty sure that I'll have what I need. Somebody say, that's what men do. So we're not attracted to weak things. I could give you a bunch of statistics. Uh, men, men are attracted to the powerful, strong word of God. That's why KCC is heavily populated with men. We are above the average with men. Have you noticed that? Right? Because the church is not an anti-man, neither is it an anti-female church. Those of you who are searching for a church, you ought to look at the dynamics of the church. I always tell people if the pastor is single, barring his, not, his wife is not passed away, that happens sometimes, right? And barring he doesn't have the gift of celibacy, and I don't know one man that has it. <clears throat> but if the pastor is single, don't join that church. Don't join it. Why, Pastor Gay? Because 70% of the women in that church come because they're hoping that the Lord would prophetically speak to him about them. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Find you a church where the pastor talks about, embraces, and loves his wife. You could tell three kids later that I don't have the gift of celibacy. There ought to be like a standard. What am I saying? Like people, like priests. What are you a part of? I'm not just trying to make you laugh this morning. I'm driving home a point about how men ought to be solid. Somebody say solid. Look at Judges 4 and 18 then. Can we go through the text? There are three, John, major problems that emerge whenever a man is not home. The first problem that emerges is that he depends on a woman to be his spiritual covering. And when I say you're not home, you can be home and still not be present. 
He sends his wife to go meet God. Look at the text. I'm not making it up. I'm going to exegete this thing today. If we go back to Judges, <clears throat> let me get there. You will see in Judges chapter 4, Sister Vicki, that because this man was weak, look at what the Bible says in verse number 18. And Jael, the female, went out to meet Sisera, the male, and said to him, Turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me and don't fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Depending on what translation you have, it says she covered him with a mantle. The last guy we saw who had a mantle was this name by, man by the name of Elijah, who when he went up, dropped his mantle on his uh, mentee, Elijah. This man in this text, John Jolin, is depending on this woman to be his spiritual covering. That's dangerous. Oh, Stephanie knows God just as much as I know him. But make no mistake, when calamity hits the Rogers household, it is not her leading us in prayer. No, sir. I'll never forget Gabe developed a knot on the back of his head. And you all will never know the times and seasons that I'm in fasting. I do it often. But he had developed a knot on the back of his head. And we said, my God, what is that? You remember that, dear? And the Lord spoke to me right then and said, see, you need to put some more blood on the doorpost. I knew at that point, and I'm not bragging, but that meant a season of consecration. Because that was just a sign and a symptom that the devil was trying to get a foothold in my home. So I didn't ask my wife to consecrate with me. What I did is I said, no, baby, this one's for me. I got to go up. I got to do what they did in the book of Exodus. Put your Bible divider in Judges. You ready to learn something? Go over to Exodus 12 and 24. Man, this is good stuff. I had to do what they did in Exodus as the man of God in my home. And make no mistake, if you're born again, you are a man of God in your home. Run over to Exodus chapter 12. Oh, God, he depended on this woman to be his spiritual covering. I'd like you to know the Bible at this church. Look at what the Bible says in Exodus 12 and 21, Mel. It says, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel. Who did he call for? The elders. Who did he call for? The elders. Who were the elders of Israel? They were men. Men. He called for the men of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your family and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, that was a branch, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lentil and two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out the door of the house till morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the lentil on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your who? Sons. You and your sons forever. Notice the men, the elders, also taught the young boys how to be men. Even in the spirit. They teach their sons, fathers, you are the one to teach your son how to pray like a warrior. I'm not trying to be funny or facetious, but sometimes when he skins his knee, don't pet him. Tell him, get up. Come on, get up. All right, you be all right. Get up. Pray for it. 
Pray for her. You'll be fine. Pray for her. You'll be fine. Come on. Come on. Come on. We going. That's different than how you manage your little girls. Your little girl falls and skin her knees. Oh, my God, baby. You, you see, that's the covering, the spiritual covering of the home. God is saying for the men today to go back to being the spiritual covering. But if you're going to be the covering, <coughs> you have to know how and when to consecrate. Strong men, Travis, know when they got to go in the seasons of prayer. Oh God, everybody else can be having sweets and treats, but you're the man of God in your home and you know that God has pulled me aside for a season. You know that God is speaking to me somewhere around September. You're in prayer, you're in fasting because you're saying, Lord, what is the vision for my home in the new year? I don't want my wife to be trying to figure it out. Lord, what should we do? Should we sell this house? Should we buy that house? Should we buy a new car? Or is this the year we stand still? Those are man-made decisions, but you cannot depend on your wife to be your prayer warrior brothers let me tell you something this morning many of our women are bruised and they're bruised because of us they have us to blame I'm challenging you on Father's Day we've treated them uh, as if they were brutuses you know your wife has calluses all over her hand because of the multiple work she's got to put in You've taken Proverbs 31 too literally. Talking about something, well, the Bible does say she works with her hands. But what about you? I mean, your wife ought not beat you running. And single sisters, you better listen to your, your leader today. I'm telling you, and I'm not going to change my talk about this. But if you see discrepancies in the man that you're dating, put things to a halt. Because whatever problem you see in him right now, magnify it times 30 when you get married. Y'all not listening to me, but I'm right. I love some of our sisters here at the church. Never would call any names. You know that. But I see many of them travailing and just believing God day in and day out. And they're strong soldiers for the Lord. But if you sat down and talked to some of them, they would tell you, listen, don't do it this way. Don't be so altar hungry that you walk down with any old body. Don't want your son to have a father figure that you put any old figure in his life. And while I'm on that point, stop introducing your daughter to 12 different uncles a month. They done, they, done, they done met Uncle Jerry, they done met Uncle Terry, they done met Uncle Bob, and every last one of them has to go in your bedroom to fix something. You don't need that kind of man. If you are sitting down and you're having lunch with a young man that you're considering marry, marrying and, you know, he can't do simple things like tell you how the 23rd Psalm even starts. He ain't got to quote the whole thing. Like, you ought to test them sometime. You ought to just throw it in the atmosphere. You know, you know, you know, babe, I love the 23rd Psalm. I love it. And don't ask him to quote it. Just see how he responds. See if he comes forth and says, yeah, I love that part that says the Lord is my shepherd. And then in your spirit, say, keep going, keep going. 
Like, figure out if he, what am I saying? Knows the word. How he going to pour into you? Thank you, Janitha, when he doesn't know any Bible himself. How he going to teach you, cleanse you through the washing of the water of the word when he doesn't have any word on the inside of him? You do know that the Bible says that a man is the cleanse. Here's what? Through the washing of the water of the word. Sister Stephanie will tell you, and she makes no dibs about it, but her faith, and I'm not being funny right now, I'm serious as a heart attack. Her faith has gone up 20 notches since we got married. Because whenever we'd have a challenge, I'd sit down with her and say, now wait a minute, baby, nope, you can't get an unbelief. Let me cleanse you through the washing of the water of the word. When our first child was being jeopardized as not being born and the doctor advised us it'd be better to abort, I said, no, the Holy Ghost said we won't lose them. So now let me sit down and cleanse you through the washing of the water of the word. She was on bed rest. We couldn't go to nobody's church. I rolled the keyboard and the speaker up every single Sunday in the living room, put her on the couch, got in my chair, and I said, well, let's have a little praise and worship first this morning. What song do you want to hear? And we go into a song first. And then after we went into a song... I had laid before God the night before and got a word from him and she'd have her pen and pad on her lap and her Bible and we would walk through the word of God and didn't miss a beat and Lauren was born on time. I thank God for the members today but make no mistake, there were three at first because she couldn't leave the house. Bed rest. Brother, what are you going to do if your wife gets a cancer diagnosis? You're to cleanse her through the washing of the water of the word. The doctor give them some bad news. They are to look to you as you look to Jesus. And see, this is what a man understands. He can't fold in front of his wife. What he does is he tells her, oh, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to work out just fine. And then he said, baby, wait right there. I got to use the bathroom right quick. And then he goes behind the curtain and says, good God almighty, Lord, what did you just allow to happen to us? But he didn't break down in front of her. Oh, no. You're a strong man. Pastor Gabriel, are you saying man can't cry? Absolutely not. You know better than that. Your relative dies, something like that, you're going to cry. But I'm talking about being a rock. Men are strong. I'm preaching the right message this morning. Go back to Judges 4 and 19. The, the, the second thing that happens when men are not home is he depends on a woman for his practical needs. It's in the text. Judges 4 and 19, the Bible says, Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. He depended on her for his physical needs. I already gave you the rundown about men and working. But he depended on her for, for, for something to drink, for something to eat. And that's not her role. She's not the provider. This is nothing against a woman working. I got to clarify that. I thank God that here at the church, we got tons of professional women. Even as we're growing, I'm seeing new ones come in. They got good jobs. So like, don't go home and tell your wife to quit. That's good. Thanks be unto God. 
And then when you go through seasons, you know, you got a young family or something and you need your wife at home, praise the Lord. Embrace that too. But wherever you are, God is saying at the end of the day, though, don't depend on her to be the provider. Let me tell you something, and I put this in my notes, but women get frustrated when they are forced to play roles that they are not built to play. Forced to play a role that they weren't built to play. Listen to me, single brothers. The wife you meet, don't force her into a role that she wasn't designed to play. You know, she wasn't designed to carry certain things on her shoulder. There's a traveling evangelist, I won't say her name, but uh, her back is crooked now uh, because every time uh, she travels somewhere, she said down through the years, she was constantly carrying bags. Her frame wasn't created for that. Are you following me? God says, I created her to be soft. Some man, you ought to go home on Father's Day, affirm your wife. I know this is your day, but build her up. Let her know how beautiful she is. You see, I understand that every time Stephanie says, you look handsome, she is waiting for me to say, and you look pretty. Right? Is this blessing anybody? Point number three, which is a perfect leading to point number three. When a man is not home, he depends on a woman to live a lie. Your wife has to put on all kinds of facades because you're not present. Let's look at the text. He told her in verse number 20, and he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You shall say no. He made her lie. Made her lie. Then he he went and did that. And obviously the woman uh, killed him a little later on. But what am I trying to say? Like, you know, you, you force your wife into a place of making up excuses for you. I'm not even just talking about coming to church either. You know, I'm not just talking about where's brother so-and-so today. Well, you know, he had to work or he had to do thus and so. No, the truth is he fell out of the faith. And your wife is still in the faith, but you're forcing her to live out a lie. Not only that, like your wife has to make up excuses for you. You know, every year when your family comes down for Thanksgiving, they're living in, you're living in a new home. I'm teaching right. Let it sober you up. Because, like, your wife doesn't know when the mortgage is going to get paid. So you got to be constantly on the move. She's always got to answer her mom. And for God's sake, her dad who is saying, baby, what's going on? Well, pastor, the Bible does say leave and cleave. Let me tell you something about that passage. It means just that. But that's one place where I plan on asking for forgiveness. For if somebody marries Lauren Nicole Rogers and goes upside her head, there's something, two guys I know, good friends of mine, and their name is Smith and Wesson. I love them both. And I'm coming. (laughs) I'm coming. I ain't going to ask no questions. Well, Dad, I had to do it. She wouldn't shut. Poof! Up!
go home and tell Stephanie I got arrested. Uh-huh. See if the church has any benevolence they could work with. jail and say, Lord, please forgive me. I've fallen short of your glory. I've sinned. Wickedness. And that's what we have. Our women having to wear sunglasses because of wicked men. Y'all ain't saying nothing. So the question becomes, how then, pastor, do I not live a lie? How do I man up? I got 14 minutes and I'm going to get it in. You ready? How do I really do it? Number one, we as the church have to remove all barriers to being honest before God. James 5 and 16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Pornography is robbing our men. You can't fight that battle on your own. Tell us. That's why we got solid men at this church. Got a Melvin. You got a Pastor Gabe. You got a few other brothers at this church who can walk you through, man. You, got, you can't put on that facade. I preach hard against homosexuality, but let me make a public announcement. I hate the sin, but I don't hate the sinner. My God, if you're having a battle with perversion, tell us and let us fight with you. Let us hold you accountable. Let us text you 10 times a day if that's what it takes. Let us meet with you. Let us pray with you. Confess those things. Get them off your check so that when you come to church and you're really acting as if you're a strong man, you'll know that you're strong for real. The Bible says, those of you who are spiritual, Galatians 6, 1 through 5, if you find a man in a fault, those of you who are spiritual, restore such one with a spirit of weakness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Let me tell you guys something. We all used to be something. I thank God every day for the men who walked me through. The men who said, man, you can conquer this. Whatever my this was, but you can't be walked through if you don't tell. Point number two, how do we get men back on track? We have to restore the edification of the man. Stop tearing him down. It doesn't work. Pastor Gabe, you just tore him down for the past 40 minutes. No, I didn't. Because if he's a real man, he received it. Real men, real men, actually real men embrace rebuke. That's how you disciple a man. You don't disciple a man with no weak stuff. You disciple a man, you tell a man straight up. Now listen, you can do what you want, but you're getting ready to make a mess. Men like that kind of stuff. Men want to be told. I'm looking at some of these strong brothers around the church right now, many of whom we've sat together time in, time out. You won't dare know some of the things we've talked about, things beyond the God. And I just look at how solid they are today. And I praise God for that. Men want the truth, man. Even when you're discipling a lady, you're a little softer, but not with no man. Somebody say, I'm going to be a strong man, not the women. <laughs> Point number three, and I'm going home. I hope this has blessed you. And part of this, Vicky, before I go to point number three is stop tearing the man down. This is for the sisters. You know, uh, stop letting people referring to you as a, a mad black woman. If a man has hurt you in the past, don't put every man in that category. 
Those wicked movies that guys like Tyler Perry come out with. Why did I get married? I know why I got married, because I'm a man. Why don't you get married? That's a better question. How come you play woman roles better than you play men roles? That's a, that's a real good question. How come you made all your money off of Medea? Stop buying into that foolishness. Those movies came come in my house. No, don't want to see them. No, thank you. No, I'm good. Let's go watch Medea. Nah. I don't get nothing out of a man dressing up like a woman. Don't do nothing for me. It's repulsive. It's not funny. It don't make me feel good. I don't leave there talking about some boy. Medea was something tonight. So that leads to the third point, and this is going to bother somebody, but I want you to be challenged leaving here today. Run over to 1 Corinthians 6. <laughs> third and final point, man, and I'm telling you, I'm getting the church back on track here in Charlotte. I clear that's, that's, that's what God has called me to do. That's why he called me to this city. He called me to the Gentiles. He called me to my people. He called me to get us back on track. I know what churches have taught y'all. I have played in the revivals. I, I know what it looks like. I know you got questions when the bishop come out wearing pink. Shoes, that is. So the third and final point of the day is reject the feminizing of the man. We have feminized God's man. When you turn on the Stella Awards and you see Ricky Dillard wearing in his choir pink suits. I don't care if you like me this morning. You see these guys singing and you see Hezekiah Walker, Ricky Dillard, Donald Lawrence, who are all a part of the Brat Pack. Now what man in here would want to be a part of a group called the Brat Pack? just don't sound right like if meat and potatoes came up to me in fact Travis come here uh, Larry Larry come here y'all hurry hurry up come say cool come here I just want y'all to look, just look at us for a second Minister Thomas you too come here. I, I need some help with this okay now you got these big old brawny strong men and, and y'all on the count of three when we get to the middle let's just when I say one two three I want you to say we are the brat pack come on here we go come on <laughs> Come on, on the count of three now. Do it, you know, with emphasis. Come on. One, two, three. <laughs> that just don't work, man. I'm a part of the bat, Brat Pack, man. I'm just, what pack you in the Brat Pack? <laughs> Yo, we going out to eat tonight because we a part of the... <laughs> Thank you, brothers. I, I knew y'all would pass the test. I'm glad they didn't say it. I was going to talk to them afterwards. Man, don't do that no more. I was bringing home a point. Big old strong brawny man talking about you in the Brat Pack. Don't no man say he a part of no Brat Pack. And don't no man wear no open-toed sandals. And, and don't no, I'm just doing Father's Day. Don't no man, Kurt Franklin, put on no pink lipstick and talk about I just smile. Right, 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 right. Look at the video on YouTube when you get home. Every man on the video looks like something wrong with him. And Kurt Franklin has on pink lipstick. 
them stick. I don't care if we did go on TV. No makeup for me. Let them see every bump and pimple. I'm a man. Pastor, you got an interview today. You want to put some? No! Some man shout man up if I'm preaching right. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. We always preach against homosexuality, but that's not the only problem. There is homosexuality, Tam, but there is also the feminizing of the man. Those are two different things. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not go to heaven? That's what that means. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Look at somebody say, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, ah, nor who? Sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. If you are dependent on your translation, you will see the word homosexual and the word nor the effeminate. Effeminacy in the Greek literally means malakos, which means soft. God has not called a man to be soft. I'm not just talking about wickedness of homosexuality. That's a wicked lifestyle. But for a man to be effeminate, to be soft, let me see if I can put it in contemporary terms for you. I got five minutes. It is the metrosexual movement. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Metrosexual. Man who's more concerned about having an edge up every two days. It's a little too much, brother. He's not really homosexual. Just a little soft. Metrosexual movement, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but <clears throat> the corporate guy who his attire is first and foremost in his day. When I tie my bow ties, sometimes they're lopsided. You can't be soft. Did y'all get that? You're not that concerned if the barber put one line a little too far back this week. Because you understand, number one, you're getting old anyway. Number two, it will grow back. You're a man. I'm going to put this in every visitor's pack. I clear. Because if you come back to this church after this message, then I know you're safe. I just know it. I'm going to put it in every visitor's pack and I'm going to ask you, did you listen to the CD? I'm going to say, thanks be unto God, we got another disciple. The softness of a man. The metrosexual movement. You know, you've got to come out of that foolishness, guys. That ain't us. We got like flannels that we like wearing. We got different mentalities about certain things. My coffee is never made perfectly. Y'all ain't getting this, but I'm taking the grave clothes off of some men right now. 
Even the way you prepare yourself. You're not that concerned even with your body. You can't be that carnal. Work out. Thanks be unto God. I work out. Right? But you're not that concerned with all of those things. Because you are not effeminate. Let me tell you this and I go to my seat. I wrestle with Gabe often. I wrestle with him so often that when I come home from work now, the first thing he says when he sees me and asks my wife if you think I'm joking is, Uncle. (laughs) He doesn't say uncle, he says, Uncle. He comes to the door, hey daddy, uncle. And he knows, because see, we're not brewing anyone soft, that when I come through the door and I start <laughs> clapping my hands, I ask Stephanie, the first thing he does is, oh! oh! I know he, I mean, he does. He quenches up his neck. And, oh, God! Because he knows that he's got to assume the position. Because he knows daddy's about to come put him in the full Nelson. And I put him in the full Nelson and his heads are up in the ear like this. And I be holding him like that. And she's like, dear, he's only two. I said, he can take it. He can take it. He can take it. And I begin to ask him, what's the word? What's the word? What's the word? And he said, I'll go. I'll go. And I take him and slam him on the bed. And he says, Daddy, I tired. I tired. I tired. But I say, what's the word? <laughs> so this past week, very funny. I was laying down on the floor reading in a book. And all of a sudden, I just started feeling, <laughs> I mean, on my head. You remember that, dear? He started wailing on me. Pow, pow. Hitting me very hard. I said, boy, what's wrong with you? And he got on top of me. He said, I'm going to jump on you. 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 I said, man, get off me. And he was hitting me hard. And then he got up and he got a book. He said, I'm going to hit you with this. I'm going to hit you with this. I'm going to hit you. And after he hit me with a book, he went and grabbed one of his toys. And he brought his toy back. He said, I'm going to hit you with this. I'm going to hit you with this. And then I said, boy, go somewhere and sit down until he grabbed a big giant fan and he came over there. He said, daddy, I'm going to hit you with this. Pow! And that really hurt. So I knew I had to stop playing before I fought him like a real man. What are you saying developmentally, Pastor Gabe? You're creating a man. To making a boy. Don't make them soft. <laughs> Pastor Gabe, when you preach hard to us on Sunday, you guys can stop the tape. Time is out. When you preach hard to us on Sunday, and sometimes those words cut deep, what are you doing? I'm making a Christian. That's all. I'm just making, man, I'm just making a Christian. I. Man, let me tell you something. If I didn't love you, come on, musicians. We're going home. We're going to let the saints go out to eat. If I didn't love you, man, <clears throat> I wouldn't say half the things that I say. But I'll tell you this, I do love you. But I know someone who loves you more than me. 
His name is Jesus. Your heavenly father. He wants to make you into a man. My sister, he wants to make you into a solid lady. Everyone standing.